0: Listening to the Miracle Word Podcast, we believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast again today. So glad to have you back listening again and uh, today's gonna be an amazing episode. I just got a message this week and uh, somebody was asking me uh, from Ohio to talk a little bit about uh, guarding your heart or, or renewing your mind in that same vein of thought. Today we're gonna cover what you saw in the title is what I consider to be the one life hack that will always lead you into victory and uh, we're gonna jump into that in just a moment. I wanna quickly say, If you're listening to the podcast and it's Tuesday, the day that it launched, you only have two and a half days left uh, for that special that we released where you can get the brand new book, Unhang Your Harp, how to receive every blessing that God set aside for you by the power of praise for a discount of 33%. So you can go to our website, which is shop.miracleword.com. And you can check it out there and you can get the book for a 33% discount. That is, it is now $10 and uh, it's normally $15. But for the next two and a half days, you still have the opportunity to get it at a 33% discount. So go grab that today. Grab a copy for somebody else. Bless them with it. And I know it'll be a blessing to you. All right, let's jump in again today. Uh, I want to deal with this subject of the power of guarding your heart Uh, or renewing your mind, and I want to start by reading a verse of scripture that's found in Proverbs chapter four, and this is uh, a scripture that you should definitely commit to memory, but the Bible says this in Proverbs chapter four uh, and verse 23. uh, This is the New Living Translation. It says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. That's huge. Read that with me one more time. Guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. Now, think about this fact that the book of Proverbs, um, which it says this in the the first chapter if you study it, the book of Proverbs is created so that people who need wisdom can gain wisdom. Those that are simple can become those that are wise. And it's for young people especially to continue to gain wisdom throughout their life. And uh, if you're looking and through this book and reading it to glean the wisdom that the Bible gives us from it, it's very interesting that obviously the entire Bible carries wisdom for life. There's no question about that. In fact, the psalmist wrote in Psalm 119 and verse 130, Lord, the entrance of your words brings light and gives understanding to the simple. So it's all of God's word that gives us wisdom or light being revelation knowledge the entire bible provides supernatural wisdom for the believer however the book of proverbs was written for that express purpose of delivering wisdom into the people that are following god and so when you read the book of proverbs and you see that it clearly says above all else that right there should be a sign to every person who Uh, studying this book and 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 gleaning wisdom that what the writer of proverbs is saying in this passage is not just extreme wisdom he considers it to be the paramount uh philosophy of wisdom what he's saying here above all else guard your heart why is that we're going to jump into that today why is it more important to guard your heart than any other thing well The explanation here from Proverbs chapter four is this, it being your heart determines the very course of your life. Your heart determines the very course of your life. But why is that the case? Why? How do we even know that your heart determines the course of your life? Well, you've got to understand how God operates and you have to understand God's system and his nature. Uh, We understand that God created everything we see by his words. So please, if you're taking notes, you've got to get this into your heart and into your spirit today. God operates by the power of words. He operates by the power of his mighty word. In fact, Isaiah 55, a passage that we often reference, uh, verse 11, the Bible says that God is telling us here, he said, my words Uh, when they come out of my mouth, they always accomplish what I send them to do. They never return to me empty and they never return void. So God operates by a power of the performance word. His words carry performance power. The same is true for us. He has breathed the breath of life into our bodies And created us in his image and in his likeness, meaning we also have the power to speak words that create or words that carry performance power. In fact, the the writer of Proverbs also wrote that the power of life and death is in the tongue. The power of life and death Is in the tongue. You can speak life and you have the power to speak death. And that's why, because the fact that we're created in the image and the likeness of God, we also have that same power, that creative heavenly power to speak words of power that will create. They will create our reality, they'll create our future. So, the reason that the writer of Proverbs says here, above all else, guard your heart that it determines the course of your life. The reason he said that is because there's a principle that is true universally. And Jesus taught about this principle in the gospel of Mark chapter seven. And I want to read you this uh, passage of scripture where he's teaching here about inner purity. And uh, this is what he said in verse 14 of Mark chapter seven. Then Jesus called to the crowd to come and hear. All of you listen, he said, and try to understand it is not what goes into your body that defiles you. You are defiled by what comes from your heart. Then Jesus went into a house to get away from the crowd and his disciples asked him what he meant by the parable he had just used. He said, don't you understand either? Can't you see that the food you put into your body cannot defile you? Food doesn't go into your heart but only passes through the stomach and then goes out into the sewer. By saying this, he declared that every kind of food is acceptable in God's eyes. Then he added, it is what comes from inside that defiles you. For from within, out of a person's heart, see, get this now, this is verse 21 of Mark 7. Jesus said, for out of a person's heart come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, Theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these vile things come from within and they are what defile you. So Jesus is teaching here about the power of guarding your heart. He's teaching about the power of of keeping your heart clean. So what comes out of your heart that creates these realities, either evil or pure and good? Well, it's your words. And I want you to see that with me. Jesus taught that in Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. Look at this, speaking to those that could not understand what he was saying, those that were religious. He says in verse 34 of Matthew 12, you brood of vipers. How can you speak good things when you're evil? for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks get that out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks so jesus is not telling us that you speak just what's in your heart he's seeing he's saying that you speak what's in the abundance of your heart or what fills your heart that's what comes out of your mouth in fact jesus clarifies this in luke chapter 6 look at verse 45 Luke chapter six, verse 45, he said the good person out of the good treasure of the heart produces good and the evil person out of evil treasure produces evil for it is out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. Once again, that's Luke six forty five. Jesus continues teaching here that your heart, the reason that it's so vital to guard your heart is because the words that you speak, the power of the word that you speak comes out of what has filled your heart. It comes from what has filled your heart. That's why, even when I was a youth pastor years ago, and I would preach and teach on purity, I would teach on you know saving yourself sexually until marriage. I would teach on these different things, and I would have young people come to me and they say, "Man, you know, Pastor Ted, I really, really want to uh, save myself for marriage. I really want to make sure that I'm living pure. But you know, it's it's very hard, man. It's you go out here, you're in public school, and you know, there's there's just people are aggressive in their sexual lives. You know, that people there's people that want to hook up, there's people that want to get together and I'm just having a hard time. I'm very having a very hard time trying to stay pure and keep my mind pure, keep my thoughts pure, keep my heart pure and I would always say the same thing to all of those students. I would never say, well, are you attending church faithfully? You know, are you, are you, uh, are you coming to youth group on a regular basis? I would never, the first question that I would always ask these young people was, let me see your iPod, let me see your phone I want to look first at the playlists that you've created for yourself, that you're listening to on the bus, on the way to school, coming home from school, when you're in your room. Let me see what music you're filling your heart with. Obviously, anybody listening to this podcast knows that music is a massive part uh, of people's lives, not just, you know, especially, you know, students, people, young people, you know, music for the most part surrounds Uh, most young people. So I wanted to see that first. I said, let me see what you're listening to. Let me see what you're filling your heart with. Are you telling me that you're trying to live pure and you're trying to live holy, uh, and you're trying to live sexually, mo- you know, in, in, with sexual morality and integrity until marriage. But then I'm gonna look at your iPod or I'm gonna look at your phone and I'm gonna find all kinds of pop songs that are filled with sexual lyrics suggestive lyrics. Some of them not suggestive, suggestive but explicit lyrics. You know, am I going to find all these different uh, hip hop songs or, you know, whatever it might be that's talking about, uh, you know, committing sexual acts or degrading women or objectifying women? Is this what I'm going to find in your playlist? Is this what I'm going to find on your phone? If I am, what I'm going to tell you is that you're shooting yourself in the foot. Because what's happening is, is that you uh, want to do one thing, but you're preparing yourself to do another. And, And let me just break that down a little further. You're saying that your goal is to live pure, but you're feeding yourself the fuel to live an impure life. So let me just say it's a contradictory goal versus action. Let me show you what I mean by that. If you were to be, I'll go from another arena. If you were, let's say, a bodybuilder, you know, you can't go around telling everybody that you're going to become Mr. Universe. You can't go around telling everybody that you're going to be, you know, a bodybuilding show champion and then fill your body with constant fried fast food day after day after day after day. Because what you're saying your goal is, and the fuel you're actually giving yourself are contradictory elements. If you're going see if you're going to achieve the goal that you say you desire, it's going to take disciplines that push you toward accomplishing that goal. That's why people who, you know, win bodybuilding championships, you know, have a very strict regimen. Forget that. I mean, just look for look at people that have to star in movies. I mean, I was watching some uh, some different behind the scenes of, of movies that have come out. People like uh, you know Brad Pitt, who has starred in in different uh, kinds of action roles. Some where he had to be huge. Some where he had to be very thin and ripped. People like Vin Diesel. People like Dwayne Johnson, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. These are people that have to be very specific about what they put in their body if they're going to have their body look a certain way. In fact, I believe uh, The Rock did uh, an interview, I can't remember if it was 2020 or uh, or what it was, but they took a look at his meal plan each day and he put all the foods out on the table that he had to consume each day and what type of foods they were. And people were blown away by what the kind of discipline that he had to be in the gym and what he was eating. Uh, but if you're going to look a certain way, then you have to fill yourself with a certain type of fuel. And the same way, uh, in the same way scripturally, if you're going to live a certain way and become a certain thing, holy and acceptable unto God, somebody who is obedient to the scripture, somebody who's producing Christian fruit in your life, you're going to have to have Christian disciplines that push you toward accomplishing those goals. And the first, I mean, the the writer of Proverbs is clearly telling us here, guard your heart above all else, okay? So it, it is what fills you, according to Christ, what fills you determines what words are going to come out of your mouth. What fills you determines what words are going to come out of your mouth. See that? I want to show you something here. The Bible says in uh, in Psalm 14, verse 1, fools say in their hearts there is no God. They're corrupt and they do abominable deeds and there is no one who does good. So what, what the scripture is saying is because foolish people have taken atheism to become their belief system, there is no God. That's what they're saying. There's no God. That because of that, uh, to break the scripture even down further, anybody who does not believe in God by logic has to believe in subjective morality. I don't care what they say. Anybody who declares there's no higher power being God, every morality law is subjective. Because if there's no authority being God, who's going to tell us what the rules are? Things can be illegal, but who's to say they're wrong? That's that's the argument. You know, if if there's no God to make a moral law, then what man can tell me? What is right and what is wrong? Where does right and wrong come from? If no one defines it, that's beyond human ability. Then where does right and wrong actually come from? Who, who said it's wrong to cheat? Who said it's wrong to murder? Who says it's wrong to kill? You know, you go through, you go right through the 10 commandments. You can go, go right through them. Who says it's wrong to commit adultery? If it's what makes me feel good, who's going to tell me it's not right? And see, that's why Psalm 14 is saying fools say in their hearts, there's no God and they're corrupt and they do abominable deeds and there's no one who does good because by their own confession, they have let their hearts become darkened. And because of that, what they do stems from an evil heart as Jesus taught. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 11, the Bible says, the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence so notice here the same principle being true is that out of, out of the treasury of a good heart a fountain of life is produced out of the treasury of an evil heart wicked is concealed violence is concealed wickedness and violence and every evil thing the Bible teaches comes out of a heart that has not been protected that's not been regenerated So you understand that the power of speaking in the same way that God spoke and created everything we see, we're made in his likeness and his image and our words carry power. In fact, did you ever listen to or read the word that God gave to Joshua as he was taking over as the leader of Israel and it was transitioned from Moses to Joshua now being the leader God spoke to Joshua in uh, Joshua chapter one and verse eight. And he said, take this book of the law, which was what, that was the word of God they had at the time. Take this book of the law. Don't let it depart from your mouth. See that? He's saying, don't stop speaking it. Don't stop speaking it. Meditate upon it day and night so that you will be careful to obey all that is written therein. So let's just break that down for a second. God's telling Joshua, if you're going to be a successful leader, if you want me to be with you as I was with Moses, then take my word, speak it on a daily basis, also meditate on it. Think about it. Let it fill your heart day and night so that you will be careful to do everything that's written in it. So God is giving Joshua a principle here. He's saying, first of all, speak my word on a daily basis. There's power in doing that. And secondly, take my word and meditate on it. All day, all night, all day, all night. Meditate on my word. He said, when you fill your heart with the meditations of my word, you will be careful to obey my word. So God is trying to get across to Joshua. Of course, we know it is obedience. It is our obedience to God's word by faith that pleases him. So we start to understand that when Joshua will obey the mighty word of God because his meditation has been on the word. Uh, You know, the psalmist wrote the same thing. I mean, you go to Psalm 119 and verse 11. It says, Lord, your words... Have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God? Your words have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. So it is the hiding of his word in our heart. We've got to consume his word. We've got to ingest his word. We've got to meditate on his word. And he said, when you'll do that, it gives you the power to stay free from sin and to live holy and separated unto God. And God's telling the same thing to Joshua. He said, after you've done these things, after you speak it on a daily basis, after you meditate on it day and night so that you'll be sure to obey everything that's written in it, he said, then will you make your way prosperous and you'll have good success. So understand that supernatural success and supernatural prosperity stems from the status of your heart. I want to say that again. Supernatural success and supernatural prosperity stem from the status of your heart. God told Joshua that. And that's what we understand through the psalmist writing it in Psalm 119.11. He said, Lord, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You say, well, where's the prosperity and success in that? It's found in Psalm 84 and verse 11. The Bible says God will not withhold any good thing from people who walk uprightly or righteously. See that, couple Psalm 119 with Psalm 84 11, and you'll understand that the psalmist, because of his dedication to hide the word in his heart, so that he would not sin against God, God promised, I will not withhold one good thing from people who walk righteously or walk uprightly. You can even go back to the book of Job, chapter 36 and verse 11, and the Bible says, God is speaking, he said, if they'll only obey and serve me, they will spend their years, or excuse me, spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. What's the prerequisite there? If they'll only obey and serve me. They'll spend their days in prosperity, their years in pleasures. So it comes down to this principle of making sure your heart has been prepared and guarded for the things of God. Prepared and guarded for the things of God. He said, if you will keep your heart pure, What will flow from your heart will be a life-giving fountain, a life-giving fountain. Think about that, meaning that everything that comes out of you will produce life. But if you don't guard your heart, if you don't fill yourself with the word, if you refuse to meditate on the mighty word of God, what comes out of your heart will be consistently evil. And see, there are two things, and I'm going to get into it in just a moment, how to make sure that your heart stays guarded, but... There are two things that cause Christians to fall into sin, in my opinion, from scripture. And we read one of them a moment ago. Lord, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you, Psalm 119 and verse 11. So one reason that Christians fall into sin or people who call themselves followers of God fall into sin is because they refuse to hide God's word in their heart. They refuse to meditate on the mighty word of God. They refuse to think about it day and night as Joshua was instructed to do. And because of that, they don't have the power to obey it in the same way that they would if they would continually meditate on the things of God. So number one, the number one reason that people's hearts become darkened or they're unguarded and so they become unfruitful is because they will not fill themselves with the word of God. If you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Christ, then there should be a Christian discipline in your life to read the Bible in some format every single day. Literally, we feed our bodies every day, but people will not feed their spirit every day. And I quote this a lot, but F.F. Bosworth, who wrote Christ the Healer, He had a a wonderful quote that I'll never forget. He said, there are Christians who will feed their bodies three hot meals a day and they feed their spirit one cold snack a week. Talking about going to maybe a church service. So you think about that. Your body, imagine what your body would look like if you only fed it one cold snack every week. Your body would look emaciated. I'm convinced many Christians spirits look emaciated. They look thin, sickly, weak. That's why Paul, the apostle, had to instruct the church in Ephesus to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Be strong in the Lord. You know what that means? It means you can be weak in the Lord. If you can be strong, you can be weak. And one of the things that keeps you in a supernatural strength to overcome temptation whenever it comes, according to the psalmist, is keeping the mighty word of God in your heart so that you don't sin against God. Meaning, keeping the word of God in your spirit and in your heart gives you supernatural strength to overcome temptation. I'll give you a perfect example of that from God's word. When Jesus went into the wilderness in Luke chapter four to fast for 40 days and 40 nights, the devil came to him multiple times to tempt him into falling into sin. Each time that the devil tempted Christ, Christ always resisted the devil by the same method. No matter what the, uh, the temptation was, Christ always responded by saying, It is written. Notice that when during his time of not eating and fasting, the devil came and said, you're the son of God, do this. Supernaturally, turn these stones into bread and have something to eat. You don't need to be fasting. And Jesus replied, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And the Bible records that as Jesus would respond to the devil by the word of God, the devil had to leave him because what happened was, and of course, if you you read this in the scripture, you'll see how it's worded. he He had to leave him and wait to return at a more opportune time. And what that shows you is when you're filled with the mighty word of God and temptation comes, it is not a good time for the devil to tempt you. It is not a good time. It wasn't a good time for the devil to tempt Jesus. The Bible says the devil had to flee from him to leave him and try to come back later at a more opportune time. So when you fill yourself with the mighty word of God, it gives you power to overcome temptation. See, you're causing your heart to, to be filled with something that brings a regeneration to your heart, cleanses you. It cleanses you. So notice that the first way to guard your heart or to cleanse your heart and mind is by the word of God. Reading it on a daily basis. You should have some kind of a reading plan that you can open up your phone, open up your iPad, open up your Bible, and you know what you're going to be reading the next day so that you're not always having the more work you have to do to determine what you're going to do or how you're going to read, the less of a chance you'll actually do it. So pick out some sort of a plan, put it in your calendar on your phone so that each day and have it repeat month after month or year after year. Uh, so that you can each day, you can by a glance look at your calendar and see what your reading plan is for that day. I've done that on a month-to-month basis. I'll basically just—I uh, have a plan to read the New Testament every month, uh, the Book of Psalms every month, the Book of Proverbs every month, and then I'll choose passages from the Old Testament as I as I continue throughout my month or throughout the year. But did you know that only by reading nine chapters of the New Testament a day, you can read the New Testament every month. Nine chapters as you go through Matthew through Acts and then Romans through Revelation, eight chapters a day. If you read five Psalms a day, you will read the book of Psalms each month and of course one proverb a day. So if you would just read nine chapters of the New Testament, five Psalms and a proverb, every month you would read the New Testament Psalms and Proverbs. Imagine the increase of your spirit as you saw that taking place month after month after month. And that's what we need to do. We've got to have a plan to be involved with God's word. And so you understand one of the main ways to keep your heart guarded is by filling yourself with the mighty word of God. See, we've got now this is this is what's very interesting. What the Bible calls the washing of water by the word. The washing of water by the word. So the word of God has a cleansing ability. Please write that down if you're taking notes. Uh, the, the word of God has a cleansing ability. This is found in Ephesians chapter five and verse uh, 26 where the Bible says that God wants to sanctify his church having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. Wants to make her pure and holy cleansing her with the washing of water by the word or with the word. So understand that that's the number one way uh, to keep your heart guarded is to fill yourself with the mighty word of God. And then secondly, the second way to keep your heart completely guarded is through prayer. This is the second reason that, that Christians fall into temptation and they fall into sin is because they refuse to pray. They have no plan for daily prayer. And if you've got no plan for daily prayer, you're going to get to a place where temptation comes. See, because as we understand, daily prayer keeps your spirit man strong. And I'll show you this. If you go to Matthew chapter 26, Jesus had taken his disciples into the garden of Gethsemane to pray. He leaves them and goes further into the garden. And when he comes back, he finds them all sleeping. So he wakes them up. Verse 40 he returned to his disciples and found them asleep and he said to Peter, couldn't you watch with me for one hour? You know what that shows me? It shows me that Jesus does not think an hour is a long time to pray. He said, couldn't you even hang with me for one hour? Look at verse 41. Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body or the flesh is weak. Paul said it this way, the apostle. He said that there is a constant war going on inside every believer. The spirit wants to do what pleases God and the flesh wants to do what is carnally pleasing or pleasing to the devil. And in Galatians chapter five, verse 17, he said your flesh is constantly at war with your spirit. So how do you ensure that the spirit wins, not the flesh? you do it by daily prayer and daily feeding on the word of God. Those two elements, according to the Bible, will keep you in a place of power where you will not fall into sin and you will become strong in the Lord. In fact, let's look back at Ephesians chapter six and you'll see that Paul begins to list uh, the what we call the armor of God. And he calls it that as well, the armor of God. And when we look at that, you say, well, man, there's so many different pieces of armor, but really they're only made up of two elements, just two elements. Let me read it to you. Uh, verse 10 of Ephesians chapter six, Paul said, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world and against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Now watch this. All of God's armor, only two elements. Therefore, verse 13, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you'll be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth. The belt of truth. What is truth? The word of God. John 8, 32, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. So the first piece of armor, the belt of truth, that's the word of God. Number two, and the body armor or the breastplate of righteousness. What is that? Holy living. Holy living, being righteous, upright before God as Psalm 84, 11 said, Job 36, 11. Obeying God's word, living, set apart, holy, righteous. So what are the two elements? God's word and holiness. Verse 15, for shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news. So you'll be fully prepared. What's the good news? The word, the gospel, the word. So once again, we've still only got those two elements. Verse 16, in addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith. What is the shield of faith? How does the shield of faith come? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by what? The word. Once again, the word of God and holiness. Okay, move further along and you'll be able to stop all the fiery arrows of the devil. Verse 17, put on salvation as your helmet. What is salvation? Holiness, righteousness. And take the sword of the spirit, which is what? The word of God. Once again, the word of God. And then look at this. Word, holiness, and then he encourages them finally in verse 18, and pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. And stay alert. Be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. So once again, throughout the New Testament and old, two ways to guard your heart and keep yourself fully free from every attack of the enemy is through filling yourself with the word of God, living holy, and praying on a daily basis. The armor of God, as we just saw, is, is just the word and holiness. And then, of course, prayer. Prayer is so vital. You know, did you know that Paul wrote to Timothy, who is his son in the gospel, and he's encouraging him. He wants him to be able to fully please the Lord in all that he does. And in his letter, he writes to, to him and begins to give him instructions. And he says this in uh, Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse 20, Paul said, in a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver. And some are made of wooden clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions and the cheap ones for everyday use. So if you keep yourself pure, you'll be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean and you'll be ready for the master to use you for every good work. So notice here's the benefit of guarding your heart. I've told you how to guard your heart. I've told you the importance of guarding your heart. And now here's the benefit of guarding your heart, uh, that you will be able to be used by the master for every good work. Your life will be clean and you'll be available. There will be nothing that God cannot use you to do because your life is ready for him to use. Now, a final word here before we pray and close. Paul gives now this should be common sense you know and that's that's how I used to think of course we find out later that common sense is less and less common but look at this Paul gives a, such a stern warning to Timothy and I used to use this even with my youth group as as a younger man run verse 22 2 Timothy 2:22 2, run from anything that stimulates youthful lusts Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, peace, and enjoy the companionship, this is so big, of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. You know what Paul's saying right there? Stop hanging out with knuckleheads that will not obey the word of God. If you need more on this, go to Second Corinthians chapter 6, start reading at verse 14, and go on down through the end. And you'll see that Paul's trying to teach the Corinthian church, we're not called to have relationships with people who spit on what we consider to be dear, holy, and pure in our lives. I've got no reason to form friendships and relationships where I'm spending time with and getting advice from people who don't even serve the Lord. Doesn't mean I don't love people that aren't Christians. Of course I do. Doesn't mean I don't give them the gospel. Of course I do. But I'm not called to be their friend and spend time and and get advice from them and be intimate on that relationship. That is, that is not what we're called to do. And the Bible's very clear about that. And one of the things that keeps people from guarding their heart in a perfect way is that they continue to spend time with others who do not have the same spiritual desires that they have. They continue to hang out with people. You know, when you get saved and you just got saved and you used to hang out with people that get drunk every weekend, you are now called to live a different kind of life. You're not called to continue to go out and get drunk next weekend. You're saved now. You belong to God now. You're not called to do those same old things. You're supposed to be separated. Well, but I've known those people for so long. They've been my friends for so many years. Good, get them saved get them free from drinking smoking having sex before marriage all those other things every every kind of unclean uh mode of life Get them out of that. Bring them into the kingdom. But that doesn't mean continue to hang out with them and do what they do. That is the number one thing that drags people back into an old way of living is that they refuse to sever connections and ties with people who refuse to call on the Lord with pure hearts. And Paul said in verse uh, 22 of Second Timothy 2, very clearly, run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love. And peace, and enjoy the friendship of those who call on the Lord pure hearts. Make your friends in a faith environment. Make your friends at church. Make your friends at these Bible studies. Whatever it is, find friends that want the same things you want. Find the friends that are pushing in the same direction that you're pressing. Don't find friends that every time you get around. Are you still going to church every week? I can't believe you do that. I mean, what that's what a waste of time. You know, it's not even scientific. I mean, if you study science, you know, religion and science, you know, science has made religion look so foolish. You know, people that talk like that, people that think they're smarter than God. You know, people that don't care what God has to say about anything. I refuse to spend time with people like that. My goal is to guard my heart, press toward the mark. God has a plan for your life and for mine. And if we're going to let the things that flow out of our heart be fruitful and impactful, our hearts have got to be guarded. They've got to be guarded. Stay away from sin. Stay away from things that are displeasing to God. Don't go back into a living a life that's displeasing. Don't let this lie in this generation, this hyper grace message that your actions don't matter because we're all just sinners. And, you know, it's just really just Jesus that God looks at Jesus doesn't care about us. He looks at Jesus because it's more about what he did than what we do. It's not true. Read the whole book of James. It's about how you live. Read the book of Revelation. Jesus comes back to the churches and judges them based upon how they're living their actions, what they're doing with their life. What you do matters. Your life matters. So do what it takes to live for God with your whole heart. Jesus is coming back soon. And we've got to be ready to see him. And there's work to be done before he comes. That's why we need to be vessels of gold and vessels of silver, as Paul told Timothy, that the master can use for any purpose and for any task. Amen. I want to pray for you guys today. All of you that are listening, if you can understand this, you, you, need, to, you need to see and realize that our hearts as, as the writer of Proverbs said, are the most vital part of our lives. What comes out from the inside of us has got to be filled with life. Why? Because we're surrounded by a dying world that needs divine life. And the only person that's going to be able to give divine life to a dying person is someone who's filled with divine life. And if you're not filled with the word and you're not filled with God's mighty spirit, you've got nothing to give to others. It's not about philosophy. It's not about any kind of religious, uh, you know, liturgy. None of that. It's about having the life and power of God operating in your life. And it starts by guarding your heart and filling yourself with the substance of heaven. Let me pray for every one of you that are listening. Father, in Jesus name, I pray that you would give us a love for your word and a love and a hunger for prayer. That, Lord, on a daily basis, we would do what it takes to be with you, to spend time with you, to receive life from you so that we can be impactful in this generation, so that we can bring many souls into the kingdom before it's too late. We thank you, Lord. And Father, We I pray now for every person that's listening that you would burn them up with a mighty desire to see souls saved before it's too late. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it. And we give you praise and glory in Jesus' name amen. Listen, thanks for listening again this week. Uh, I really appreciate it. If you're listening to this podcast and you've gotten this far through it, I want you to do me a favor. If you don't mind, screenshot it, share it with somebody, send it to some friends, tell them you got to get this. It'll change your life. We're going to get the word out and change a generation before it's too late. I love you guys very much. And don't forget until next week, goodness and mercy are following you for the rest of your life. I'll talk to you next week. We would love for you to join us in a live service. To find out when Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. will be near you, please visit our website at www.miracleword.com.